0: Hello and welcome to the Talking Global podcast series, a series of conversations about global realities of a youth worker and working with young people of today. We are your hosts, Leo Gilmartin and Dermot O'Brien from the National Youth Council of Ireland Global Youth Work and Development Education Programme. This programme is funded by Irish Aid under the Youth 2030 Consortium, led by the National Youth Council of Ireland in partnership with Manute University, Trochera and Concern. Hello and welcome to another episode. Um, today's episode um, is called All Di- Different, All Equal, Unpacking Racial Justice. So once again on today's episode, we are joined uh, by our colleague here in the National Youth Council, um, Valerie Molay. So Valerie, you're very welcome. Um, we're delighted to have you back. and um, delighted to have another light conversation as, as we did with climate justice. Um, so yeah, you're very welcome, Valerie. And of course, we are joined by... Dermit Daisy O'Brien as well so I think let's let's not beat around the bush here let's get straight into this and I have an opening light easy question for Valerie to, to kind of open the space give us an idea of where we're going this morning um, and that is what exactly is racial justice <laughs>
1: uh, thanks Leo thanks for having me I'm glad to to be back again And um, yeah, I'm not sure about the light part, but let's try to, to at least attempt to have a light conversation uh, on this topic. Um, Yeah, that's a good question. So how can we even define racial justice? I mean, I think a nice way of describing uh, racial justice is to sort of talk about the ism part, which is the racism. Maybe that will give us a, a sort of understanding of then what we're against or trying to remedy. Um, so, like racism is all about that. It's that social const, uh, contract, uh, social construct um, that places people um, in um, in a hierarchy or like a superiority based solely on skin color and physical ability. Things that are actually not scientifically based or proven or in any other way, it's uh, it's very much like that tool of oppression that has been used years and years um, to create um, a those that are at the bo- uh, at the bottom and those that are at the top, those that know it all, and um, those that have the solution to to all, and then some are just basically second class citizen or at the bottom of the bottom, we can say. So if that's what racism is, then racial justice is all about trying to shift out of that system. It's bringing back the justice in in a system that uses racism as a tool of oppression to to basically um, try to bring people to recognize that it is a tool. It's not, it's a socially constructed element of our society that we need to get rid of in order to bring back justice in people's life, uh, people's life, to bring back, uh, to destroy the hierarchy that exists, that doesn't serve us, and that reduces certain people in our community um, to, to nothing, really. Is that light enough for you? <laughs>
0: No, I, I say light, of course, uh, as a bit of a, a joke and, and a bit of a, an idea that, of course, when we're dealing with racism and we're dealing with these massive structural inequalities of, of when you talk about hierarchy, you're talking about people on different levels. Um. Absolutely. This is a massive, massive part of, of being alive, being a person. Um, and, and of course, this conversation today is about, well, how do we bring our youth work skills, our global youth work skills? And how do we start having this conversation with young people? How do we start understanding it in our own practice, in our own methodologies, in our own spaces? Uh, and really, how do we start tackling it ourselves um, as practitioners? Um, so that, that's kind of the, our next question, then, is, of course, and why is this important then to global youth work? Why do we see this as being as more important than ever? As we kind of move into 2022, um we're dealing with a lot of things. We we've talked about the STGs, we've talked about climate justice, um, and even within kind of news cycles, there's always kind of things that pop up every couple of months that once again kind of shows that terrible um parts of society when it comes to being whether it be football players, whether it be individuals, whether it be young people that we know dealing with racism on a daily, hourly, minute basis um, in their lives?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll go back again to sort of uh, add a little bit to that definition of uh, racism or uh, add a little bit to the understanding of what racism is. And I think in our society, usually when we hear racism, we always tend to to think about it in terms of oh, people calling each other names, and uh, people uh, commenting on hairs and things like that. Those, the element that we call microaggressions, right? Like the small things that is is more to do with the individual. Like I like to categorize these things and, and be like, well, racism is beyond just the the way we talk about people individually. That you are like this, you are like that. And calling names and associating it with uh, different uh, like animals, you name it, to a more institutionalized racism and that is where uh, all of those social constructs that we have told each other so i'll give an example here where one this one time i was in a training and uh, we were actually talking about global justice uh, global global youth work global justice and 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 stuff and then we had uh, we had moved on to um, a map and kind of like talking about how we understood the world. So the famous map uh, map of the world that is distorted and then thinking about the, I, I always forget the name of the map.
0: Peter's uh, Projection. The
1: Peter's Projection map, you know? And then when we're kind of talking about it to sort of unpack, but well, is it really Global North and Global South? Is it really, why why do we think um, we, we like to call it that way? Who made those decisions? Actually, when we look, we're like, well, Actually, looking at Peter's uh, the Peter Projection map, Africa tends to be actually quite big and it seems to be really at the center. But why, why did we think it was important to reduce it, to make it small? It's these subtle messages that we've been giving in society where a young man actually said to me, well, do you know what? Nobody ever told me that I was better than Black people, but I just knew it. You know, nobody explicitly told me that you, because of the skin of your the skin, your skin color being white, that you were better than a person of color or an ethnic minority. And in Ireland, actually, most, uh, mostly we also talk about travelers being at the bottom and stuff, but he just knew it. How did he know? and it's about those subtles uh subtle uh subtlety that we we give such as those maps for example or when we show poverty and we we associate it specifically with a continent where actually people are also like poor in global north countries let's say so that's why it's like uh talking about racial justice is super important to uh to global youth work because global youth work talks about the dynamics to which we interact at the global level with each other. And the system to which guides that is very much based on historical um, historical elements such as colonialism still exists, still underpins how we interact with one another. And then by definition, racism is part of that. Racism is a tool, is a colonial tool of oppression. So, It's so important when we're dealing with um, global youth work that we we think about this stuff, because think about, like, I I love to use the example of aid. How many of us, every time we hear of aid, for example, uh, we we think straight away, well, yes, global north countries are always supporting uh, global south country with money and stuff, which happens. But how many of us know how much more money goes from the global South to the global North, through back deals. You know, why do we think we never talk about that we always talk about the other? There's a specific type of superiority that we're trying to entrench and keep going that unless we start unpacking that with our young people, they won't understand why certain things get on the news, why certain aspects get on uh, this way. You know, COVID, we've all heard about the vaccine Uh, we've all heard about like the the vaccine disparity, you know? And we've heard about how uh, countries, Western countries, have been able to buy up vaccine for three times, six times more than what they needed. While actually by doing so, it means that a certain part of the world cannot get the vaccine. So if we are saying in the SDGs, for example, through global youth work, we talk about the SDG and achieving um, a better society for all without leaving anyone behind. The practice of buying six times what you need, while you know it's going to have an impact on others is leaving one, uh, no one uh, is leaving people behind. You know what I mean? So I think that's why understanding and unpacking racial or bringing the racial justice lens to a global youth work practice. Really is important because it kind of makes us question those relations that we have with each other at the global level.
2: So, Valerie, so I'm listening to what you're saying, and it's it's really stimulating for me. And obviously, I have some experience as well in my training as a youth worker and my and my professional experience. But what what's really interesting? So you 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 know you describe. This concept of social construct, which means that people created something for a reason, and and that's interesting for me in terms of being a, a global youth worker. And I wonder, from your point of view, how important is it for me as a youth worker to understand that, and then to relay that or find a way for that to come to life within my youth work? Because what I'm wondering is, to what degree are young people out there, are young people that I work with, carrying that sense that there is a hierarchy again as you said a hierarchy of humans on this earth and those that are white and complex because again as you describe racism to me if in in the most basic sense it's like when we look at people we see their attributes and we and there's a an auto judgment that Mm -hmm. can kick in from that and i had genuinely had an experience yesterday with, with a group where we were talking about social justice, but, but it, 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 you know, you know, you know, and and people out there will know that it crosses, um, this issue crosses uh, everything. Um, but we, we wondered if you are walking on the streets of Dublin and you see a homeless person, do you look at their attributes as in their skin color, as a way of deciding whether they are, they deserve your money or not. And where does that come from? And is that connected to this, a the social construct whereby someone decided this this is how things we're going to construct this sense of hierarchy and then how does it become prevailing within our psyches within because there's there's active programming to make people think a certain way but then there's also as you said the subtle programming that also does the same thing without and again how many times do we hear someone say i'm not racist because cognitively in their brain they sure. can say that and feel comfortable but if we were to follow them for a day in the life of or really unpack how they live their lives then we would find the bias is sitting there because and again it's not about i'm sure you, you would share that with us it's not about uh, how we judge people or, or we define you are a racist what do you think you are or not it's it's much more than that and i think within our youth work practice there's a bit of work to do there um, in terms of bringing this issue to that yeah. space in an authentic
0: way I think yeah. it, like, when we look at, like, the for, for me, the importance of global youth work when it comes to r- r- racial justice is when you start thinking of where else in society can young people be challenged, can young people be supported? Where? where? There is nowhere else. Um, like I, I know when we always get into the, the kind of the education of young people, formal education, it's all about teachers, need to change the curriculum, all this all we need to interact with. I just feel that youth work, global youth work, is the space. It has to be. And youth workers have to be those those people who can bring young people on, who can have these conversations, who can build this relationship, and who can start doing this important work with young people. Like For me, that is the number one importance of how this is so important for global youth work. And perhaps the most important aspect um, of what we are doing with young people
1: yeah no i think you guys are definitely pointing out to a couple of things that are super important here and i mean in terms of like what leo you're saying and like where are the spaces to uh to even unpack and challenge young people on this and it goes back to that idea that Derwent you you you're saying when you were saying that social social construct means that people have basically build it and then now are spreading everything and earlier on I mentioned that racism does not just the individual piece but the institutional racism is the big part so you mentioned formal education you know partially because it's an institutionalized way of education has had in the past basically reinforcing some of these uh uh, social construct ideas you know and yes we how many times we talk about um we 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 talk about like changing uh curricular and making sure that it tells the story the history of the world not the history of the supposedly powerful men and here i know you you guys are not seeing this but i'm actually putting a bunny ears over the powerful men um as such, because, like, I always wondered, you know, how come we are always told about Christopher Columbus discovering the world from his perspective? But what about the history of the people that were seeing him arrive? That's a history, right? they are people, too. How come we've never heard those encounters of what did those people think? Why did they... Op- you, you never wonder, actually, he arrived in a society, people supposedly, again... They create, they create this idea that they were they were savage and they were killing. How come they didn't kill Christopher Columbus? You know? So what was going on behind? Why did they think, oh, person, come in, communicate. Like what happened exactly, you know? So we're told a single story constantly and our education system, I'm afraid, has really participated in them. And that goes back to, Uh, what you're saying about global youth work and if we want to see global youth work as that radically uh radical place of change and pondering on question then we must be talking about this we must create that space in a way where young people can ask those questions where we can ask young people to ponder on those questions you know because sometimes it's also that how many times um so I like to, um, I like to also ask, like, you know, because people always talk about when we talk about racial, uh, racial justice, people always like, yes, we have to talk about blackness and all of this stuff. I ask this question, what does actually whiteness mean? How come that's never a topic? Do people that are white ever question and ask themselves, what is it actually to be white? You know, but we don't get the space to do that because we're supposedly the uh, like it is the do, the dominant and it is the status quo. Therefore, it's not question. You know, when um, you get your computer in and it's like this is the default mode and everything else is others, then you never question the default mode. You just know that this is if you ever want to rely on anything, you rely on the default mode. That's what whiteness is in our society. You know, so is that correct? Is that the way to be? But what's the other problem that that comes with having that uh, that idea of uh, this is just this is the the source the story this is the source of knowledge this is the uh, the source of enlightenment and brilliance. But what that has done is like it has killed a lot a lot of different thoughts. I I always say to be a racial justice activist. You don't just have to do you don't have to do it because you want to save ethnic minorities and people of colors and all of this group. No, you should really do it because society is robbing you of an an opportunity for something great because by putting an entire a, entire group of people away from properly contributing, we are missing out so much. That's why we should all be uh, racial justice advocate not because we do it out of pity because we want to rebalance things and we want to be allies because we realize that it impacts our life too in ways that we don't even know and to go back to what Dermot you were saying about um when you were talking about uh, we don't want to admit that we still judge people by, uh, like you know, don't judge a book by its cover. But everybody apparently does it. And then when you, uh, when you're giving to a, a homeless person, are you thinking about the different prejudice uh, that goes with it? But again, that's about that single story, right? And and how if we keep on talking just about this single story, we can never know people beyond who they are. I'll always remember, and I think I've spoken about this many times, the day I realized that I was a Black girl, because back then I thought I was a girl, now I can say I'm a woman. Um, And I went home and I said, oh my God, the world will never know who I am really, because I realized that being a Black girl meant something it meant something very specific No beyond that so you were black you couldn't be smart you couldn't be intelligent and if you did something extraordinary it was a fluke you know or you benefited for some as other people said you were probably adopted by white people you know kind of those kind of things and then i realized that beyond my race and my gender there was so much more about me a single story my story became about a Black girl. And I was very adamant that that's not it. It's part of it, but it's not the full story. We should be striving to look for those beyond that. Go beyond what you've been told. And, um, and uh, that question about, um, it's, we, we constructed it. And I always say another example that I can use is when we talk about, have you ever tried to tell people that we can move on from neoliberalism? And then they're like, oh, what? What do you mean? This this has just been, this is just what it always been. No, there was a time, there was a period to which that ideology came into place. And there could be a period. There could be a time where it could stop. If we wanted to stop, we can basically create another one. So socially, we constructed this dynamic of superior hierarchy and superiority, inferiority, and all of this of you being uh, being a person of color, being dangerous, mean, and so we can change that. But the only way we can actually start to change it is for first to start admitting that. It has been part of our society so therefore there is no way anyone has escaped from it and again it goes back to what Dermot you were saying it's not about calling people you are racist and stuff sometimes people do are and they're lying about it but that's okay but it's not about you like personally like uh, like wearing that oh being racist is a kukos Klan, and it means i'm a horrible person and stuff no the act that you're doing is racist because you live in an institution, in a systemic society that is racist in the first place. So you can't escape it unless you start consciously try to escape it. I am a person of color and there's times where I had to pause and be like, what I just did there, that thinking that I just did is because society. Like I had to pause and be like, why do I think that about that? I couldn't have escaped like 20 years of my education, you know? My education kept talking to me about it. So I decided to believe in it in some way. So if I, a racialized person, can think that, what about you who are outside of that circle? So yeah, it is also about that moving the conversation away from feeling bad about yourself or feeling that you're being called bad. You can escape it. The only thing we can do is start to admit, first of all, that it is with us, it's socially constructed in the fabric of our society, but we have the ability to start getting rid of it, only if we start to become conscious about it.
0: In previous episodes, and even in the last episode, we spoke about how important these spaces are, creating these global youth work spaces, creating these spaces where as a youth worker we have a relationship with young people, And we're comfortable to talk about whatever comes into the room. So how important are these spaces in tackling race, prejudice, and once again, moving these uncomfortable topics into much more of a space where, okay, they're comfortable. We can have these chats. I'm not an expert. My young people aren't experts. Let's see where this goes. How important are these spaces still for racial justice?
1: Crucial. I say. They are crucial Um, because, like you, you, like Leo, like you mentioned already before, there is already not that many spaces where we can think anymore. So these global youth work spaces where those we can unpack these rhetorics and topics of the world, including racial justice, are crucial because it's the moment where we start to go beyond what we have been told about the world to start unpacking the different power dynamics what is actually pushing what agenda is being pushed for what particular reason why was it constructed this way in the first place and then we start to ask ourselves the question on is this really what i want to be part of you can't like you can't really decide that you're part of something if you don't know what you're part of really so those exploratory spaces are super crucial, and I mean, in our youth work settings, uh, we're gonna have it in many different ways. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is going to be easy. It's not. And let's just appreciate the and uh, let's just accept that it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be hard. Some conversations are going to be super uncomfortable. Sometimes you're gonna have to take that walk out and um and just be like, okay. But don't make it about you, make it about unpacking the root cause of issues.
2: Yeah, no, I would say that, like you mentioned, Leo, I think, and you, Valerie, that the youth workspace is unique and the youth workspace is a space of opportunity Um Whereby it's not you—you you don't come into a youth workspace in a one-dimensional way, and you aren't held there one-dimensionally. And I think that's where youth workers. So I could say I look around my youth project and I don't see any people of color. Therefore, this issue is not relevant to me as a youth worker. Or I could say, and we say this—we uh, said this forever about dev ed. My young people aren't interested in that topic. Therefore, I don't need to deal with that topic. But I would say when we you know, if I look around my youth project and there's only white kids there, that's grand. But when I walk out the door of my youth project in, Mm -hmm. in modern Ireland, 2022, it's not all white people. So things are changing. Things have changed. And it's not just an issue for over there or far away, or there are little pockets of this as an issue uh, that's novelty more so than, you know, about how our society can be judged. Uh, And I think, so, regardless of who is present in your youth, in one sense, mm. it's the work of youth work to imagine the best society that we can create and then contribute to that. Because we're also in the business of participation, empowerment, engagement. You know, young people playing a role in developing policy, young people imagining themselves leading countries in the future. So, again, I I imagine youth work to be a space where the potential. If, if you don't grasp the potential, um, and and again, it's the job of the National Youth Council to equip youth workers and support them to say, yeah, I know this is serious and I know this is legit as a topic, but where do I start? And I always think of Mickey Scott Bay Jones, who says, we all have the right to start somewhere. And again, that's a principle of youth work that holds a space that says, I'm not going to call you out when you say the wrong thing, or I'm not here to preach but let's, here's a space where we have an opportunity to wrestle with something, to explore something, um, and to you know pursue a journey of learning uh, in an open way that, that is, yes, that is safe, that isn't compounding prejudice or, or, or discrimination, um, but is also leaving enough space for people to go on a journey of transformation. And I think to miss that opportunity is to, is to really contribute to business as usual which is leaving people behind and is also perpetuating uh, the, the social construct of, of racism.
1: Absolutely, I agree. I think it's not because we, we don't see it that we are off the hook, you know? If it is about making a better society out there, like um, supporting young people and ourselves actually, because I think youth workers also go into that journey with their young people if they start to explore. And um and the community around also will benefit from the sort of conversation that is happening within the, the thing. So this is the thing about youth work, right? It's it's so good as a an opportunity because you have the trickle effect of it is so it it, it can just ripple really quickly. Um and that's why. It's not because we, we don't have a right in front of us, like you said, Dermot, that we cannot uh, engage in it. Because the mere fact that we don't have a right in front of us while we know it exists in society should in itself be the beginning of why we should be engaging with this. Because you must tell yourself, if it's out there, but I don't have it. What's happening right here? And that could be your start of that conversation that can lead then to the transformation that you need. You know, it's going to be different at different places, it's going to look different for everyone. But just to shy away from it because we don't know how to get uh, to start or that we are, yeah, that we don't have it right in front of me is basically limiting your own work of trying to create a better society absolutely yeah
2: and i think there's something just to add a little bit um there's something about how our our evolving society how we define we in in modern ireland who is us because a lot of, and again, people fall into the trap of thinking we, like, as a species, us and them is a part of how we survived. Um, but it's also the uncomfortable truth is that the biggest predator of humans in the history of our species is other humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but when I look at, at the Ireland of today, then the how I perceive what we means um, is different than somebody who's looking at, at the Ireland of 10 or even 20 years ago Um, and i think that's something as well that we just have to uh, appreciate and recognize that a diverse ireland uh, is a more enriched ireland um and and it's not and again the the risk factor for me is is uh, does diversity in ireland is it on on my terms as the as as a white irish man who can trace back a lineage or 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 am I open to a diverse Ireland being that the Irish that the someone who landed here yesterday is as relevant to the Ireland of today as I am Uh, Mm. and how do I how do we make the most of that and it's something that really recently I I saw an article of a a young guy footballer um, uh, from Libya who is his dream is to play for Ireland because he's he, Ireland is his um the nation that he has chosen to, to that he will pursue a football career and hopefully get selected to play for Ireland. But one of the things he said was that um he could play for Libya if he wanted to, and the offer is there. But he actually said, I wouldn't take that opportunity away from someone in Libya mm-hmm. who could take it, but Ireland is who I want to play for because I feel that that's the. That's who I want to represent. And for me, that's a lovely example of someone who, you know, if I knew him as an individual, I'm, I'm sure I would get the, f- the full sense of what it means to be Libyan and, and everything that comes with that and, and the wonderful richness of that. But also at the same time, I can relate to, you know, maybe I would have dreamed of playing for Ireland as well, and he's on the same dream. So there's something that connects, you know, or we're into football. And so I think a modern Ireland and how we, the lenses that we open ourselves to, um is really important but i think to do that we still that doesn't happen just because we wanted to mm. we have to deconstruct the social construct do we don't we and and you does youth work have to play a role in
0: that regard well thank you both very much um it's not even about scratching the surface like we barely barely dusted um, of this topic I know all three of us have been just holding back trying to talk more and deeper because yeah once you start once again once you start having these conversations you can find hours pass um, so yeah so once again please if if you're interested in any of the topics that we focused on today please get in contact with us the idea of this podcast it is not you sit down and in 30 minutes you're an expert and you can go off it really is just a bit of support for any youth worker listening to this or any young person listening to this. So please do get in contact with us here at the National Youth Council and we can provide a lot more support, a bit more kind of bespoke training, workshops, resources, uh, whatever you may need. So that is the end of season one and um, six episodes trying to guide you through this world of global youth work. Uh, And we are looking ahead towards season two, where we hope to do a bit more episodes like this that are a bit more topical focused, a bit more where we get into maybe some expertise, some guests to give us a bit more that kind of detailed um, space as well. So thank you all very much if you survived six episodes and you're you're still with us um, today on this one. So stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you all soon.